So if you have a Bible, find the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter number four, Ephesians chapter four. Uh, if, if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, we've been in a sermon series. We've just simply titled it Forward, Forward, and a recap of the introduction for those of us maybe who haven't been here. Uh, we are called as followers of Christ to not be stagnant, to not be complacent, to not be apathetic. Uh, we should be moving forward in our relationship with God. We should be knowing God more. We should know more about him. We should hear his voice more. We should uh, follow him better as we move on in this. You are not meant to stay the same. Amen? Okay, come on. Uh, you are meant, and, and, and my passion for myself is that I would never stop growing. That a year from now, I would love God more than I do right now, and that I would hear him better, and that I would be more invested, and that I would give more and serve more and love God more. That is my prayer, and it's not only my prayer for me and for you individually, it's my prayer for our church, because the church, the body of Christ, is not meant to be stagnant. It's not meant to just be something where we go through the motions and do churchy stuff. We are meant to be this life-giving, alive movement, bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to our world, right? That's who we're supposed to be. And so my prayer is that next year, as a church family, we are better. We are closer to God. We are farther along than where we are right now. And so that's what this is really about uh, and we talked last week, if you were here, we talked about the body of Christ, and, and really it's all these individual followers of Jesus coming together. We all have our differences, we all have our giftings and passions, and, and our differences coming together are what make us stronger, and we are able to do what God has asked us to do. We talked about unity and how essential unity is to the body of Christ. And we saw the Apostle Paul in some of his letters that we have in our Bible write over and over again, be unified, okay? Stay, you're on the same team, one God, one church, one all of this uh, and all of that. And it's just been this, it was this beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. Today is like part number six, but it's also part number two of last week, if that, that was confusing, and, but we're getting there, okay? And so here we go. You matter to the body of Christ. You have a part to play, and that brings us to today, and our conversation today is really about biblically what does it look like for us individually to be a part of the body of Christ? That's what we're looking at. That's the question that we're asking, uh, and if we want to move forward as a church family, and that's desperately what we want, then we need to do that together, and we each have a part to play in all of that. But what does that look like? Well, I'm so glad you asked, because that's where we're going. All right, that's enough of an introduction. Stand with me all over this place, and we're just going to read. We're going to begin by reading our passage of Scripture for today, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse number 11. We're going to read five, six, seven verses here. We'll see how far we get, and uh, then we're going to get there. All right, here we go. It says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity, there's that word again, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Unity, the body of Christ coming together. Don't be infants Okay, you get the idea here. We're coming together. Maturity has to do with all of this in that way. Let's pray. God, we just pause for a moment to invite you into this moment. God, God, we want nothing to do with this being about a person on a stage performing in any way. We truly desire for your word to come and breathe life and to instruct and teach and convict and all of that beautiful stuff. And so, God, we give this to you, every part and every piece, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, I feel like I'm talking fast, but that's okay. Uh, If you were here last week, I touched a little bit on... Uh, this missions trip that we just got back from, we, we, I had seven people from our church family. We went over to a country called Kazakhstan, which is uh, right next to Russia and China, kind of a dangerous part of the world. Uh, massive Muslim country, interesting place to be a part of. Uh, most of Kazakhstan is made up of the Kazakh people, okay? Uh, though it's confusing because Kazakhstan was a part of the Soviet Union until about 1990 or so. And so the main language there is Russian, which the Soviet Union pushed on them. And so their like main language is, is that, you know, it was Kazakh, but now they all speak Russian because Russia forced them to. But now they're out of that. And so it's a messy place. Things are confusing. Last week we talked about how it's a place that uh, was torn by war and has known war. They pray, they pray for and against war every time they gather together, and it's just, it, that's what this is. Uh, not very many Christians there. In fact, we, we may have gotten pretty close to meeting every single Christian in the city we were at, city of three million. And so not very many Christians, tough place, like I said, considered a Muslim country, but, but drug trafficking and drug addiction was and is rampant in this country. Back in the 80s, the Afghanistan and some of those places were kind of like uh, trying to break things up in the Soviet Union and different things. One of the ways they did that was to traffic drugs through all sorts of these countries. Yeah, you didn't know that, but this was happening. And so there's all this drug stuff was heroin specifically and opium trafficked through the middle of Kazakhstan for a number of years. Uh, and so what we have is a, what feels like a bazillion people who are all addicted to hard, nasty drugs everywhere you look over and over again. Uh, and addiction, though, has opened the door for the gospel to be able to break through this Muslim country as a place called Teen Challenge was set up. If you've heard of that, we have one in Alexandria starting Brainerd, Duluth. It is a, this gospel-based addiction ministry that does incredible, incredible work in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so they started this. They started this. Lives are being transformed. And so today in Kazakhstan, there are almost as many Teen Challenge centers as there are Christian churches. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. And much of what we did when we were there was visit these centers and we'd share and we'd hear their stories of people. Go ahead and put that picture on the screen. I want to show you this man. Uh, 
we'd go hear their stories. And this was one of the gentlemen that we met. And I heard his story, and his story sounded so much like so many of the others. He, he, he started by saying, I was a 12-year-old Muslim, and I founded my, found myself addicted to heroin. And I was like, what? And we heard that same story over and over again. And then they would say, my Muslim family was so desperate to get me help that they took me to this Christian place called Teen Challenge, and that's where I met Jesus. It was unbelievable. This man is now pastor of one of the churches that we went and visited. It was so cool. Go ahead and put that next picture on the screen here for me. We visited centers like this. This is uh, 40 or 50 men, former Muslims, teenage addicts to heroin who are now lifting their hands. And right now they're doing this crazy song and they're screaming. Uh, what are they? I forgot what it is they scream. They scream something like, yes, Je- yes, I love my Jesus is what they're screaming in this moment right now. And we got to go visit all of these things. And then we went to a women's center. Go ahead and put that next picture up here for me. Okay, small little center. And this is our, the women that we had on our trip mixed, intermingled with some of them. You can see there's some kids in the place too. And they had, they had little babies and some other things that were there as well. Uh, okay, this small group of women. Again, teenage addicts who are now finding Christ, Muslim people who are finding Christ, uh, and, and we have stories of how God is changing them. Before we went on this trip, I made every one of our team members write a sermon. Oh yeah. And they, it freaked them out. How would, they felt the same way that you're feeling about that right now. Uh, in fact, let me, I'm going to embarrass, I'm going to embarrass Stacy today. She's over here and I got her permission, even though I, even if she said no, I was going to be like, no, 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 you signed up for this trip. I'm going to embarrass you. Anyway, Stacy over here was on this trip and when she found out she had to write a sermon, she immediately began to try to figure out how to back out. <laughs> Sincerely, as, as like that just filled her and others with so much anxiety uh, like it would for so many of you. But at this place right here, I'm telling you, Stacy stood up in front of these people, in front of these women who were addicted and all this type of stuff and finding freedom, and she shared this powerful message with them about how God had gripped, or about how so much of her life she had been gripped by fear and anxiety, and how she is learning to trust God and seeing him work in her life. And it was this moment of unbelievable amazingness. And I'm so proud of you for that, because it was this beautiful thing that we saw and that we did together. Her story, her experience, and what God had done in her, and and such encouragement. And you saw women with tears in their eyes, And it's all through an interpreter, so it was messy and it was difficult to do. But this right here is really setting up to what we're going to see in the Bible today because this is exactly how God designed the body of Christ. We are all different. We have different stories. We have different backgrounds, different issues that we have dealt with, different things in our lives, and we come together and our differences are used for the kingdom of God, and then we truly become the hope of the world. The hope of the world as we bring hope through Jesus. And just a heads up, okay, for some of us in this place, this what we're gonna get into today is gonna be revolutionary to your understanding of church. And you're gonna be, some of us are gonna be thinking, I cannot believe that that is real. Okay, and so here we go. Are you ready? That was all an introduction. Turn to your neighbor and say, that was the second longest introduction I've ever heard him do. 
<clears throat> All right, Ephesians chapter 4, here we go, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And if, and if you were here last week, you'd know that this section of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, is what we talked about last week as well. But this, this what we're reading, is right in the middle of Paul talking about the body of Christ. Uh, how we're made up of all the differences and all that, like this is right in the middle of it. And so here's what we have. Jesus himself gave the church these specific leaders. And he lists off some of this stuff, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, we could talk individually about one of those different, what those are and that, but that, that's not really the point of where I feel like we're supposed to go today. But he gave these leaders for a specific purpose, Let's read what that purpose is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, okay? So Jesus gave these leaders to equip some of the translations. If you have a Bible right now, some of your translations will actually read to train or to prepare, okay? To equip, prepare, train God's people, that would be the church people, uh, to do his work and to build up the body of Christ. Now, um, now I want to say this again. I'm going to just continue to kind of hammer this because we're getting somewhere. Paul lists these people, and the role of the pastor is one of them. The role of the pastor and these other leaders is to train God's people to do work, to do the work so that the body and the church can be built up. Now, that doesn't sound that revolutionary, but let's pick this apart a little bit, okay? What we're reading here was originally written in the language of Greek. We have an English translation of that, and so we can look at some of the Greek words, and actually there are different English meanings, and we can pick some things out. I love this. The word we have translated, works of service, okay? It's this Greek word, diakonia. I butchered it, but you don't know any better, and that's okay. Diakonia, okay? This word is, is translated into English in two ways, two ways. It's translated as the word service, which is what we have right here in, in this translation of it. It's also translated as the word ministry, okay? Service or ministry is what we have. So, so, here's, so here's the picture right here, paint it again. Jesus gave the church pastors and other leaders to train the church people for ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, the goal of the body of Christ, scripturally, is just be the presence of Jesus here on earth to minister to a world that so desperately needs all, I mean, all of that type of stuff. To do that, Jesus has given the church these leaders to equip the people for ministry. Now, question. Someone who does the work of the ministry, what would we call that person? A minister. Not a trick question, okay? All right, I knew all the smart people come to the first service. You got that, you had that, okay? So, but check this out. And some of us heard me say this before. In the Bible, every Christian is a minister. Weird word for us to use in that. We don't use that word and think of it that way. But in the Bible, there aren't certain Christians who are ministers and others who aren't. The Okay, now understand, we use the word minister and we talk about a minister, right? Pastor, the priest, the person on the stage, that's the way that we talk about it in that way. But Jesus, Paul says Jesus gave pastors and leaders 
to the church to equip and train the church people to be ministers. And if you're a Christian, Paul, through in the Bible, would say you are a minister. But not only that, Paul has given the pastors an interesting role. A description here of what they are really to be and what they are to do. Okay, I'm about to blow your mind. Buckle up. Here we go. Biblically, the role of the pastor is not praying for people. It is not spiritual counseling. It is not visiting people in the hospital. It is not telling people about Jesus. According to Paul, that is not the role of the pastor, but you know whose role that stuff is? The Christians. The Christians, that's their role. That's our role. Don't miss this. The role of the leaders in the church isn't actually to do ministry. It's teaching, preparing, equipping, training the people to do ministry so that the church may be stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, don't mishear me. I I said it in this way a little bit for effect, okay? Uh, I, I know you could argue that part of whatever is doing these things, but I think the point is we greatly confuse the role of the pastor and the priests in our in central Minnesota, and the way we do that, pastor, you should be ministering to these people in this community. Pastor, you should be praying for people. Pastor, you should be going to the nursing homes, and and I know someone you should really meet with because they really need help right now, okay? And, And hear me on this. Some of us Like, again, I'm taking this really far to prove a point in some of this, but listen, like, you're right. Pastors should be doing all of those things, but not because they are a pastor. They should be doing that stuff. They should be ministering to people and praying for people and reaching out to lost and hurting people because they are followers of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, this guy is crazy. And and say, I I think he just doesn't want to work. Like, say that to, I think... I think I know what's going on here. Uh, But Paul says every Christian is a minister, and the role of the pastor and the leaders is to prepare and equip the people to do this. And this really does make sense if you think about it, because which is more effective, to hire one person to do ministry or to hire one person to train and equip 100 people for ministry? Come on, you know that. It's right there from the book of Duh. Okay. Is that a book? Tyler, is that a book? It's, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so now here's where we've landed from last week and this week, kind of con- combined together, and then we're going to get somewhere. Our different experiences, different paths, different giftings, we all come together to become the body of Christ. Though we are different people, we are unified together in Jesus, and we become the family of God, the body of Christ. Every single one of us, though, is a unique minister. And we come together to worship, and we come together to sing, and we come together to unite and all this type of stuff, but we also come together to be equipped for the works of ministry. Are you with me so far? All right, but that leaves us really with this question, what does it look like for us to be ministers? 
What does that look like? What does that look like for us to do works of service or works of ministry? And we're going to answer that in two parts. First, we are ministers within the body of Christ. And then second, we are ministers to the world around us outside the body of Christ. And I think that second one where we talk about ministering outside of the body of Christ, I think we understand that a little bit more. Uh, We are a church family, but we're a church family expecting guests. We talk about that. And not only like are we expecting guests, we are a church that's on a mission uh, to bring people into the family of God, which isn't necessarily our church, but into the hope and the life that comes with Jesus. So we, we pool our resources together to build the kingdom of God globally, locally, and in the future generation. And we have conversations with people at our lunch breaks, uh, when you're at work, and, and we tell people what God has done in our lives, and we pray for our neighbors that they would experience, okay? We know this type of stuff. I've spoken a million sermons on that type of stuff. You've heard that before, even though sometimes that's difficult for us to step out and do that. I think we understand that we should be ministering to people outside of the walls of this church, right? You understand that, uh, to be ministers in our world. But for today, and just for a few minutes, we're going to focus on the other side of being ministers, and that is our responsibility to the body of Christ, our ministry to our church family. Did you know that you have a ministry to our church? That maybe sounds weird to you, and you're maybe thinking, I don't know what that is or what you mean by that. We were meant to minister to each other. Okay, understand The body of Christ is not just something we come to. It's not something we come to just to get things. You don't come here, or we're not supposed to come here just to receive. There's more to this. There's a beautiful thing that should happen every time the body of Christ gathers together, whether that's on a Sunday morning like this or a life group or getting coffee with somebody like this. We all come together in all of our differences, all our experiences, and we are meant to minister to each other, to minister to one another. Well, what does that look like? Well, the Bible lays out all sorts of things. We're just going to hit three or four of them here really quick of what this should look like. Let's look at a handful quickly. Write this stuff down as you're taking notes. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. It just says, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. Okay, this is a verse that is written about the body of Christ. When we come together, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact we're doing. The word encourage is defined as to give support, to give confidence, or to give hope to someone. Are you with me so far? Okay, this is the individuals in the body of Christ bringing support to each other, bringing confidence to each other, bringing hope to each other. And understand, when we come on Sundays, this is not supposed to just happen from the front. There is supposed to be this beautiful thing that happens as we interact with one another, where you should leave this place encouraged, built up, more confident, and filled with hope. Not just from the sermon, from interacting with each other. It's this beautiful thing that should happen. Uh, what, and what does it look like for you to do that? 
What does it look like for you to walk through these doors on a Sunday and not just to be thinking about what am I going to get today from the sermon or from whatever, or I'm just here to worship God, even though those are beautiful, powerful things of this, okay? But what does it look like for you to say, how can I encourage somebody today? How can I bring hope to someone else around me today? We should be, and I'm telling you, if you walk through the doors and we begin to walk through the doors like that, something beautiful begins to happen all around us. Would you agree? I mean, I think we all agree that that sounds magical, that we would just be that together. We are to encourage each other. What else? James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, James says to confess our sins to each other. There should be a form of accountability in in different ways that happens uh, amongst the body of Christ. Uh, There's another one that I I took out of here, but it basically says don't be don't be afraid to confront somebody in the body of Christ that you that you see and know is not where they should be. Help bring them back. There should be this beautiful thing. Um, We often talk about. You know, from our context in central Minnesota, we think of confession as like you go to the priest and you go through confession. That is not in the Bible anywhere, by the way. Okay, we, this is what we have about confession. We have confessing to each other and confessing to God individually in this way. We should have some of that. But I love this where it also says we minister to each other by praying for one another. And again, this is not just the role of the person on the stage and it's not just the job of the prayer teams down here that are wearing a badge. Like the body of Christ should be known for praying for one another. We should feel that. We should do that. We should look for opportunities for that. And some of us are like freaked out about the idea of praying for somebody. We can't like that. That is so far out there for us. When we went on this mission trip, we, we basically forced people to do that and, and learn. And it was incredible to see someone who said, I can't do that. And now all of a sudden they're praying for something and they're feeling God use and do things. If you want to take your life to the next level, for many of us in this place, learn to pray for somebody else. You don't have to use all sorts of churchy words you know, thou on, I don't even know what to do. It was going to be funny, though it was, okay? But uh, like, like, God, you know, you know Judy and what's going on in her life. I just pray, pray that you would help her. Like, it, it doesn't have to be magical, special things. It can just be so simple, but we just pray and we learn to pray. Galatians chapter 6 uh, says to carry each other's burdens, Wow, listen to that. We're supposed to come here together and it's supposed to feel like that. Can you feel that? Encourage, hope, pray for one another, carry each other's burdens. What a beautiful picture of what this is supposed to look like. What does it look like for you to help carry someone else's burden in that way? Uh, we, we come, we bring hope and encouragement, we pray for one another, we Keep each other accountable. We look, let, let's look at one more. First Peter chapter four. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, this is not serving people outside the church. We got that in other places in the Bible. We're right here. 
This is, this is how we are to interact with each other. And, and this is where we all have different giftings. We all have different passions. First Peter says we use our gifts to serve one another, to serve each other. In a very practical way, we'll just lay it out like this. We gather together, musical people, lead us in the music. Okay? Uh, if you can't sing at all, we really don't want you to sing on the stage into a microphone. Okay? All right. You know who you are. All right? We just don't want that. Okay? But those who are gifted at teaching, teach. We have hospitality people. And you know that's your thing. And you feel that. You love serving people in that way. Like welcome people, serve people, be a part of making this that way. Those who love to clean, they help, help clean the church. If you are not a clean person, don't sign up to be a part of the cleaning ministry. Like, we have people who are good with numbers, using their gifts to serve the body in different ways. People who are good with kids, working with kids. Techie people, being techie. We bring our gifts together and we serve each other in this beautiful way. And the pastors facilitate and organize and equip as the people bring their gifts and passions and begin to minister to each other. Music team, will you please come? All right, let's put this all together quickly and then we're just going to take a minute to respond. We are all ministers. Do you hear me on that? Not just me. Do you hear the word of God saying you are a minister? If you are a Christian, you are a minister. Outside the walls of this church, you are a minister and you can can share and you can teach and you can talk and, and, and we get so afraid of of not having the right words, or we get so afraid of what, what if I say the wrong thing, or what if someone hates me? I'm just telling you that, the, that, that Jesus, is through the Holy Spirit, wants to use you outside of these walls in a beautiful way. We are all ministers, and when we walk through the doors of this church, and when you meet together in small groups, and when you have coffee with somebody else, from our church family. Like this should be more than a place where we just come to receive. And you will come and receive. And we do come and worship. And we do come and open the word of God. That's a part of what gathering together should be and should feel like. But this should be not only a place where we come to get, it should be a place where we come to serve and we come to pray and we come to encourage each other. And here's what you'll find because some of us in this place, you're thinking, I don't feel like encouraging people. I'm in, I'm a mess and I just, I need God to work in my life and I have all of these issues and I've got all of this stuff. Listen to me very closely. It's when you come and you begin to view the body of Christ through the lens of serving somebody else, I'm telling you, your personal needs will be met. As we begin to look outside of ourselves, we begin to truly find what God wants to do in us. It's a beautiful thing. We are all ministers. And part of that is learning to be a minister in the body of Christ. What does it look like for you to encourage somebody today? What does it look like for you to serve and use your giftings? We've got people all throughout our church facility right now volunteering and helping and using their giftings to do whatever it is that they are gifted at. What does it look like for you to do that? What does it look like for you to step out of your comfort zone in a massive way and pray for somebody? 
And oftentimes it's just you begin to encourage someone and they begin to say, man, things are really hard for me right now. And you say, instead of saying, oh, wow, sorry, we should go find a pastor. Can we say, can I pray for you? It's beautiful. I think you'd agree that this is so much more effective. If we look for the pastors to be the saviors of all of our needs and all of our issues, we will let you down. We will fail you. We can't do it. Some of you have felt that from us. We are people. Jesus said the weirdest thing to his disciples before he left. He said, a new command I give to you. Love one another. And we're like, okay, love one another. And then he says this, they will know you are my followers by how you love each other. He doesn't say how you love the people on the outside, but how you love the Roman Empire, but how, how you love the people who are sinners. He says, the, the world will know you are my follower by how you love each other. Because can I just tell you this, and I'm almost done, I promise. When we begin, when we begin to live in this way as the body of Christ, I can't even begin to explain how attractive that becomes to the world outside. Because the world on the outside views the church as nothing more than a bunch of hypocritical whiners who are political with our whatever, okay? This is, this is not who we're supposed to be. We are supposed to love each other in this way. Will you please stand with me all over this place? Stacy gets up halfway around the world and did something so hard for her. And I, I could have gotten up and spoken to those ladies. And it would not have been that hard for me to do that. But I believe that the exact right person in the exact right moment got up and did something so difficult for her and God used a different voice in that moment as a minister for a powerful moment with these women. You have a part. Your giftings, your passions, your differences are so vital to the body of Christ. And I want to just push you a little bit today to step out and do hard things for the kingdom of God because we're better for it. With no one looking around, just a moment of privacy and reflection here. I want to speak for just a quick second to those who maybe have never responded to the message of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're watching people lift, a, lift their hands and sing and you're watching people pray and you're watching all of this and you're saying, what is going on here? I'm just, I'm just telling you that God has come in and changed the lives of so many of us. And we could look around and we could ask, ask for the stories of people in this room and one after another, they would say, I used to be like this, but God came and got a hold of my life. And I responded to Jesus. And it's not that my life is perfect and not that bad stuff doesn't happen anymore, but God has saved me. God has changed me. And maybe you're here today and you do not understand that one bit, but you can feel something on the inside pulling at you. That is the Holy Spirit, he's drawing you. He's drawing you to, to, to God today. 
And if you're here and maybe you're feeling that and maybe you've never responded to the message of Jesus for yourself and you want to do that today, I want to ask you to just lift up a hand. There's nobody. The eyes are closed. We're just saying a prayer together. If that's you today, just show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else responding to what Jesus has done for you? Church, let's just say a prayer together. Everyone in this place, let's pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together.